Welcome to The Deciders. This is Renee Frazier, founder and CEO of Frazier Communications, the leading woman-owned advertising and marketing firm in Southern California. We bring you Talk, Read, Sing, the first five California campaign about the importance of talking to children when their brains are developing at the fastest pace, zero to five years old. Our show, The Deciders, enables us to feature leaders, change agents, educators, and business people that help us understand how to grow our businesses and improve their impact. On The Deciders, we explore how women can advance into greater leadership roles. Everyone knows that's a passion of mine. We also know that women are faced with many, many obstacles, and the glass ceiling is something we've talked about many, many times. Now we've come to understand in these days of even more of an emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion, there are nuances to that glass ceiling and even more difficult barriers that we anticipated among some of our women and men. My guest today is an expert in that area. It's Joy Chen. She knows why some people secure promotions and bonuses worth tens of thousands of dollars, while others, just as smart and talented, are not and are left behind. Joy knows why, because for seven years, she did the choosing. She was in the executive search business as a consultant or CEO, a headhunter, if you will, to Fortune 500 companies. Joy Chen, welcome to The Deciders. Thank you, Renee. It is great to see you. It's great to be with you and with your audience. Thank you so much for coming, Joy. You, your work and your company focuses on the unique factors that hinder Asian American women and particularly Chinese American women from the top. Tell us about the issues that hold back Asians in the United States, particularly in business. Sure. Well, there's really two things. In fact, first of all, well, first of all, let's back up and look at what is the problem facing Asians. People are often surprised to hear there is a problem at all because there's something called the model minority myth, which lulls us all into thinking that Asians are doing just fine because everyone knows that Asians are the most educated group in America. The fact is Asian Americans are the most educated group and the least likely to get promoted. So um, we are, for example, 12% of the U.S. workforce, but only one and a half percent of Fortune 500 corporate officers. Oh, my. I have no idea. Wow. And to give you a sense of the diversity within that, of that one and a half percent of corporate officers, almost all are Indian American, not East Asian, like Chinese, Japanese and Korean even though there are more Chinese than any other Asian group. So there's just so much nuance when we get into the whole DEI conversation. There really is. I think it's important for us to kind of peel back what this model minority myth is and maybe how that is, is an objection and maybe even part of unconscious bias. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's funny because um, we often think, well, Hey, it's, you know, Chinese Indians were all stereotyped as smart and hardworking. Who wouldn't want to be smart and hardworking, right? But the flip side to that is we're smart and hardworking and lacking leadership skills, smart and hard, hardworking and non-sociable or unfriendly. And what that does is like all stereotypes, um, you know, the, it, it's very, um, it, it's like very, uh, difficult to root out because it all happens subconsciously. You know, you meet somebody and you're like, okay, you immediately categorize this person is Asian. 
And then your brain immediately assigns to this person all the traits that you think of Asians, smart, hardworking, and unfriendly, for example. Then what happens is something called unconscious bias sets in. So this person may act nine out of 10 times in a friendly way, and you wouldn't notice, but then acts one out of 10 times in a way that you perceive to be unfriendly. And then you're like, yep, dopamine hit. It's that's it. Just like all the, yeah, just like all this. But that's just how stereotypes work, right? I think that a lot of times when we talk about racism, we think like, oh, racism is being unkind or it's being mean. Um, whereas I think that certainly when we see in terms of anti-Asian hate and the physical assaults, you know, those are really visible uh, forms of racism. But I think that in fact, most of the racism that we have in our lives is happening at this unconscious level. So it's not about being mean or being unkind. It's just that we all do it. We all do the unconscious bias. You're right. There are also microaggressions, right? We will yes. uh, say things that we think uh, are fine to be said, but they come from that unconscious bias. I'll just give you an example. In your, you're in a group and you're selecting people to speak or to lead, and you skip over the Asian folks in the team because they're so quiet. I don't think they really mm -hmm. want to do that wrong. And I, you know, what I have found to counter unconscious bias is I have to deliberately go at it. I have to say in my head, I'm thinking this, but I'm probably wrong. I've got to overcompensate. Uh, is that one of the tools that you use or how do you, how do you recommend people uh, uh, confront their unconscious bias? Well, I think that it's exactly like you said, you actually have, because we all do unconscious bias, we all categorize people and we have to because we get, um, you know, we get flooded with millions of bits of data every single day. And so the way that we have to sort through all of that is by categorizing and, you know, sort of using these little shortcuts. When it comes to categorizing people, it can be incredibly harmful, as we know. So the way to get around that is just like you said, you have to be constantly actively looking for disconfirming information. So you recognize, oh, I noticed this person is Asian. Most people think Asians behave a certain way. So I'm going to be actively looking for the opposite and noticing it. And when you talk about microaggressions, that's absolutely right. We act upon our unconscious bias. So there's another thing that we can actively do when we notice an Asian speaking in a being assertive or speaking in a friendly way. We can actually do something called micro affirmations, which is saying, hmm, yes, Renee, that was a really good point. Or, oh, I like that. Just in a meeting, you can give that person some more support. It's encouraging for that person, but it also gives, you know, may startle some other people to say, oh, yeah, that person, you know. Uh, did behave in a in a way that was unexpected. Exactly. It's role modeling for other people in the company. It's an opportunity to be able to uh, demonstrate that. You know, I have to tell you, in my uh, circle of uh, uh, women friends, I've, you know, I have several of them, and you and I share some of those. I have several Asian friends, and they're outgoing and articulate, uh, stepped up to be the leaders of the committees that we're on or the boards that we're on. And I, and I, I, when I knew we were going to be talking, I had to reflect on that and say, look, 
that goes against the stereotype. And it's been a it's been a good experience for me because it's broken it down. And I, if people spend more time with people who they don't know as well, and they maybe have a bias and you find common ground, it's another way to make those unconscious biases be diminished. Yes, absolutely. I think that actually does two things. One, it helps um, with the dominant group, majority group to allay their own unconscious bias, but it also really helps the members of the stereotyped groups because oftentimes, you know, um, for, for, for us, for example, in this kind of an Asian stereotype, there's something called role incongruence that comes in. We perceive Asian Americans to not have leadership skills. Therefore, companies won't necessarily give Asians the promotions because the traits that we associate with this group conflict with the traits of leadership. Okay, so that's number one. And then when that starts happening over and over again, it really reinforces the power of the majority group, but it also diminishes, you know, it causes the people who are stereotyped as lacking leadership skills to think, oh, gosh, you know, I've been working so hard. I really trust my boss is really a nice person doesn't think doesn't seem to think I'm ready. So I must not be ready. So it actually, um, you know, makes it kind of unsafe or uncomfortable mm-hmm. to even speak out. So so basically, it's like this vicious cycle that happens. Right. It's self-reinforcing. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy to the person. self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. A vicious cycle where dominant group people become more and more dominant. And less dominant group people become less and less dominant and less and less powerful. And isn't that an amazing thing? And we always still think that Asian Americans are the model minority. So we think these are positive stereotypes, but in fact, all stereotypes serve to disconnect us from each other. And I think that, Renee, when you talk about your friends, that's so powerful because I really think the only way we can really break down these stereotypes is to connect, Mm -hmm. is to get to know people at a human level. Mm-hmm. because that's when you get to spend more time with them, see them in all their fullness. You make it safe for them to fully express themselves and comfortable. Then you see more of them. Then you see more disconfirming evidence. And then your brain starts saying, oh, that's not how Asians are. Asians are just like everyone else, right? right. That's exactly right. Now, when you talk about leadership qualities and maybe the misperception that uh, Asians don't have that, Emotional intelligence comes to mind. We have seen a big shift in the last decade, the emphasis on emotional intelligence and what we consider to be more feminine traits, intuition, et cetera. Emotional intelligence, uh, where does that play a role with Asian Americans? Yeah, well, you know, Asian Americans, a lot of us, because we were brought up in a very different way, this Harvard and hard work success doctrine, right, that we are trained to believe that um, success will come from becoming individually outstanding, highly competent, um, and working really hard. That actually works a lot better in China in a high-powered distance culture. So in a place like America, where the mainstream Western culture um, is a low-powered distance place, we have to um, become leaders not through hard power, exercising that raw power, it's through influence. And that's why it's so important for us to get people to like, trust, support, and follow us. And that's why the skills of emotional and social intelligence are absolutely crucial to leadership in the West. So EQ is actually 
you know, some people think, oh, EQ just sounds so touchy feely. It's about being emotional, but actually that's not it at all. EQ is represents a series of 15 scientifically validated emotional and social skills that we actually measure. So in the Fortune 500, we actually have specific assessment tools where we assess these individual skills in leaders. And we use these tools to coach and develop high potential leaders as well as CEOs. I like that. And I know that uh, it's really important that people think about their emotional intelligence, their emotional quotient, their EQ. Let's talk about your new venture, Joyous, and the the courses that you are offering to help smash the glass ceiling. I suspect they have some of that emotional quotient as part of it. Yeah, well, um, thank you. Well, Joyous is a firm, actually, that is a executive. I started it this spring um, as a response to all this anti-Asian hate in America because the hate is actually just the most visible uh, sign of the overall exclusion of Chinese and Asians, you know, from the corporate power structures we talked about earlier. So um, I created this firm with a simple mission to help expand access to opportunity for Chinese Americans at all levels of corporate America, not just at the bottom. And um, so we do this through, um, first of all, helping Chinese to understand the unwritten rules of the game. You know, first, just understanding that America is really different from the way that we were brought up. I think it's often really confusing for people, for Chinese, especially even for people like me who are born here and speak perfect English. Um, so we think, oh, I'm American. I should, you know, I was, you know, I, I, why aren't I succeeding the same way as everyone else? Um, in fact, 96% of ethnic Chinese in America now have come either immigrated since 1960 or like me are the descendants of those immigrants. So even if we speak perfect English, our Chineseness is still really baked inside of us. And so that's why we have things like this Harvard and hard work, this assumption that if we just work really, really hard and we get a fantastic elite education, then doors will open when that's not the way it is at all. So so what we do at Joyous is first, knowledge. We help Chinese to understand what are the inside rules of the game. These are kinds of pieces of knowledge, um, the unwritten rules of the game that non-Chinese parents, you know, white parents, Black, Latino, maybe other parents, they just pass down as a normal part of growing up. You know, here in America, we have a big focus on social and emotional learning in schools, but not in Chinese families, right? Chinese families tend to be very quiet, Parents are famous for, they don't even say, I love you to your kids. Like we never talk about feelings. We just, we never talk about playing. Parents Mm -hmm. are just saying, well, just don't waste your time playing. Just study, you know, just Mm -hmm. focus on competition, focus on getting number one, focus on getting perfect grades. So the focus is really on meeting these external goals Mm -hmm. rather than developing our emotional selves. How do you see all that in Joyous? You have many courses and Tell us how people can get more familiar with these. Well, actually, we have a we have a range of offerings. Um, it's an executive coaching and leadership development firm. So the first thing that we would do is sit down and understand, you know, where are you in your leadership journey? What are your goals? And we would design a program. Um, well, first of all, we would see if this is something that we can help you with. And then we would um, figure out what 
you know, a game plan for you. So we do have some um, small group and individual executive coaching that would be, um, you know, some kind of course based, but, you know, more executive coaching. Like we have an overall curriculum, but it also depends on the individual needs of, of every person. Um, so we work on developing, assessing. We would use the tools that Fortune 500 uses to assess and develop their CEOs. And we bring those tools to you, you know, as a Chinese American, highly competent professional. Basically what we do is we take highly competent Chinese American professionals who already have all the education and hard skills they need and help them transform into high impact leaders. That's so it's wonderful. just specifically making that jump over the glass ceiling. Got it. Over the glass ceiling, through the glass ceiling to become Smashing a high impact leader. You know, yes. that's, that takes time though, right? Uh, that there's a mental change, there's exercises, there's ways yes. to present yourself. Uh, yes. There's ways to make yourself present in the business, right? In terms of opportunity. Yeah. So, so there's first change. You're right. There's, there's changes in beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, changes in knowledge. There's changes in skills. We're, ex- we're identifying which emotional, specific emotional intelligence skills, where are you stacking up against others? Where are the highest impact um, skills that we can work on for fastest growth, right? And then also there's this unconscious bias piece where we could become fantastic leaders, but not be recognized for that because, you know, your company might still be like, oh yeah, that's the same Renee. I've, I've known Renee for 10 years, you know, she's a worker bee. So Um, So also we offer stakeholder centered coaching where I will go into your company and personally recruit leaders to be your mentors and sponsors and help you develop deep and meaningful relationships with them. So that even after our coaching engagement ends, you have a support network that continues to lift you up. That is so smart. That's great, Troy. I mean, it sounds like a very comprehensive program. I think having uh, sponsors inside the corporation somebody who monitors you, mentors you, but also guides you and recommends you for things. That'll make a big difference in people's careers. Uh, and yes. that's a significant addition to the program. Uh, and how yes. do find out about Joyous? Uh, they can just go to my website, getjoyous.net, and they can, they can learn more about us there. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, let me, let me talk about um, this kind of transformation to be a high-impact leader and how you even deal with that in your family life. Mm. I'll never forget. I read a story about the woman who had become head of Pepsi. And mm. she, uh, uh, she was so excited. She worked hard one night, came in, when she had just been told she was elevated to that position, came home to her family. Her mother uh, was at home taking care of the kids and the family, of course. And as soon as she knocked on the door and said, Mom, I can't believe it. She said, where's the milk? And uh, she, what do you mean? She said, I sent you messages. We need milk. You better go get it. You know, she turned around. She went back. She got the milk. She was still a daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. No matter what role. And that happens to all of us, I think, across all cultures. But particularly in the Chinese culture, this woman happened to be an Indian culture. But in the Chinese mm-hmm. culture, I know you still have to show great respect to your parents and to your heritage. So do you help people deal with the way they are at work versus the way they might be at home with their families? Yeah, you know, that's something that I've been working on for the last 10 years in China. Um, actually, I've, I've been working in China the past 10 years as um, the executive coach that the Wall Street Journal calls an American lean-in guru in China. Um, 
It is very complicated. And that's why Chinese women face the double glass ceiling, um, because we have so many cultural expectations. It comes from our families, our parents, and especially our mother-in-laws, many of whom live with us. And, you know, for Chinese women, you could have you know, your mother-in-law looking at you as you're packing for a business trip and saying, wait a minute, why are you going on a business trip? Who's going to be taking care of my son and my grandchildren? You know, why shouldn't you just take a more carefree job and, you know, focus more on your family? So there's a huge amount of pressure, I think, in our culture from our mother-in-laws, many of whom live with us. So, um, so yeah, I think that, um, and I think that when we talk about these emotional and social skills, um, many of these skills, as we develop them, they actually can really help us to deal with in all areas of our lives. So one of the skills that we work on is the skill of independence. And that means that we can um, hold firm to our own thoughts and feelings and values, even in the face of conflict with others. And even in the face of conflict with others of higher power status than us. Right. So um, so I think that actually um, the the solution of developing these skills of EQ uh, are very, very powerful. They help us in work and in dealing with some of these cultural conflicts um, that you point out. And actually um, a, a wonderful byproduct of developing the skills of emotional intelligence, according to a lot of research, is that you gain happiness. You yeah, get joyous. Yeah. And that's that's the reason for the name of my firm. Um, so, yes, we deal with a huge amount, uh, a huge amount of external obstacles in the careers. I mean, in the workplace, as well as in our own family. But I think that there are ways to deal with all of them. Well, you know, it's interesting to hear about your coaching in China and the work you did in China and now here in the U.S. And it's understandable you'd focus on the U.S., given the health situation that we're all facing and and the issues that they are seeing with the pandemic, unfortunately, even coming back in China. Tell us a little bit about women in China and where you saw transformation most likely. Which women were uh, uh, accepting and and, uh, more successful in that program in China itself? Um, Yeah, well, I think that um, a lot of it is women who have... um, who are already starting to wanting to be more independent. I think naturally a lot of the younger generation do want to. Um, I have a book called Do Not Marry Before Age 30, which came out in 2011, exactly 10 years ago this summer for the first time. And it was a huge bestseller. Um, It's been released many times since then. But, you know, one of the things that people often tell me is, that, you know, Joy, the things that you wrote in this book are things that I was feeling in my own heart. But because you wrote this, it gave me permission to say them out loud. Uh, wonderful. It gave women uh, some content to be able to discuss with other women. Because otherwise, sometimes, you know, these deep yearnings that you have are hard to express. Exactly. You know, especially if you're from a culture that's not used to self-expression. That's right. So, um, so yeah, I think that... Um, it's been a remarkable journey for me as a Chinese American. I think that being Chinese felt like such an obstacle for me growing up. My biggest worry and headache growing up was how do you talk to white people? You know, and then suddenly when I went back to China at age 42, um, 
I realized that all this, you know, Chinese-ness that was such a barrier in the U.S. Um, helped me so much in China. As a Chinese-American, I felt like I was operating on zero gravity. So I could take some of these independence and some of these, you know, ways of being that I had developed and then share them. And I think uh, in China, and I think it's not about becoming westernized. It's about becoming global, about picking and choosing you know, understanding different cultures and picking and choosing things that make sense the most for us. Well, and what I love about this, Joy, is it's people can choose who they want to be. And you're yes. reaffirming who they want to be inside as opposed to letting them feel contained by the stereotypes of others or the cultural stereotypes or even some of the historical uh, rulings. It's a wonderful thing that you've been able to change people's lives. And give us the name of the book again so folks can look at it. Oh, well, it's only available in Chinese, but it's called Do Not Marry Before Age 30. Yeah, I love it. And I, I know that uh, we can find some videos of you as well, Joy. You've done mm -hmm. remarkable things in your career. And thank you for being with us on the show. Any last piece of advice you'd like to give to the audience? Um, I don't know. Other than what you had just said, that really made a, you know, really meant a lot to me. I haven't really thought about it that way, but I think that you're right. I think that everything does come down to you being you, you being you and figuring out the best way to be you in this world, um, to be the best, strongest um, version of yourself and to go out there and make an impact. Oh, and I, um, I appreciate, Renee, everything that you've done for women and, you know, to lift up women. I mean, I've watched you for decades doing this and, um, oh. you know, I, I just applaud everything that you've done. I, you've been such an inspiration to me personally. So I thank you for that. Thank you, Joy. I'm excited about Joyous. I think this is a wonderful venture. This has been Joy Chen, the CEO and founder of Joyous. I want to thank you all for spending time with us on The Deciders. We've learned a lot about the glass ceiling uh, for Chinese Americans and, and for Asian Americans, especially women, and how they could deal with it. Choi's got some great insights and wonderful video series and a lovely executive coaching and training. I hope you'll find out more at joyous.net. joyous.net. Say it again. Yeah. Getjoyous.net. Getjoyous, get right. Okay, Art, you'll catch that at getjoyous.net. Thank you for listening. You can hear our podcast anytime on our website at FraserCommunications.com. We're a full service advertising and marketing firm. You can find out more about us at that same website, FraserCommunications.com. We'll be back. We will be back next week here on The Deciders with Renee Fraser. Have a great week ahead.